the Vancouver Tech Podcast. My name is James. And I'm Drew. How's it going, Drew? It's going pretty awesome, James. How's it going with you? Good, good. Pretty busy. All How right. are things at work? Busy for you? Yeah, uh, things have been pretty busy. Did a lot of uh, kind of, I guess, tying up a lot of loose ends and things like that. Sure. And um, you know, sometimes it feels like you have big wins and you do a lot of stuff and get a lot yeah. done. And sometimes it feels like you're doing a lot, but don't have those big wins yeah. and get a lot done. Uh, I guess I had one of those kind of weeks this week. I have those, except you get a big win and then someone comes and says, oh, there's a change order. So oh, yeah. undo all that and do something else. <laughs> that like, oh, happens no. too. Yeah. Do you want to jump to our meetups around town? All right. Uh, did you have to go to a lot last week? I didn't. I actually, um, I only ended up going to the Hacker Nest on Monday. Mm-hmm. And the reason being, uh, from probably Monday afternoon, for some reason, I got kind of sick. I had like a fever right. and uh, some muscle aches and stuff. So I kind of took the next day off and just kind of... Uh, Recover. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was weird. I had like, um, like I just sweat, basically. Wrapped yeah. myself up in towels and sweat. And oh, then, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> I sweated out. <laughs> yeah. You don't do any like cold showers or anything like that? Uh, well, I had a couple of showers, but the thing was, I felt really cold, even though yeah. it was like, it, I was hot. Yeah. Um, but I felt really cold. So I was oh, like okay. shaking and shivering. Yeah. That's not fun. Yeah. So I had some pretty, like, some hot showers actually. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed to help. So yeah, now I'm feeling, uh, feeling all recovered. So yeah. that's good. Tip top. Yeah. How about you? You didn't get yeah. sick or anything? Oh, no. I haven't got sick in a while. Knock on wood somewhere here. There's wood. But, uh, yeah, I went to uh, Hacker Nest as well. You mentioned Hacker Nest, right? I did, yeah. yeah I went to Hacker Nest <laughs> as well. Uh, and also Tech Vancouver. Oh, okay. Um, awesome. Yes. And there was actually a nice crossover. Uh, like, I saw people like, oh, I just saw you like 24 hours ago. You're also here for beer and pizza. Well, I mean, Hacker Nest isn't pizza, but beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw some tweets about the uh, Tech Vancouver, um, but I didn't actually get out to it, yeah. obviously. Uh, how was that? What was that all about? Good. I stayed for two presentations. I had to mm-hmm. go, but I did get to, I did the whole networking thing right at the start. Um, it is a quite a long event if mm-hmm. you're, so, I mean, uh, keep that in mind. And, and there's like a lot of network coming up front and yeah. then there's the, all the events. So this but, is uh, a... Um, um, a ten dollar entrance event. Yeah. Event. It's the last Thursday of every month. Is that I right? Think or first so. Thursday. So I think it's last, last Thursday. Last Thursday yeah, of every so. month. Um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Hackerness is the last Monday of every month. Yeah. Um, and kind of similar from uh, we've kind of been pushing it a little more and more, like the donations part. Mm. But from uh, from next month, it's a, or this month rather, it's officially across the board for mm. Hackerness. Uh, the Hackerness organization is going to be a um, entrance by donation with a suggested donation of mm-hmm. ten dollars. Yeah, I see Selena there making sure everyone Ooh. gets their gets their money in there. Yeah, she's yeah. doing a really good job <laughs> yeah. uh, of that. I'm actually kind of surprised sometimes when. Um, I remember when I was uh, uh, an attendee, mm-hmm. you know, before I got into it, uh, I never had any problems with, uh, you know, with giving the suggested amount. Right. But uh, then again, I definitely had a few beers every time. I think the problem <laughs> is the cash out. thing. It's like uh, not everyone carries cash. Yeah, that's true. It would be awesome if there was like a um, some sort of like debit or yeah. uh, just some some sort of chip and pin. Yeah, machine. something like that would be cool. Yeah. Or even like one of those taps or something. Anyway, so let's go back to that Tech Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, so what goes on there? You said there's a lot of networking and it can be kind of long. Yeah, first half is networking. Like mm-hmm. the first maybe hour. Um, I yeah. think it starts at 5.30 and then goes to about 6.30 when the talks start. Yeah. Um, last time, it, it was at Rise this time. It was also at Rise last time. Yeah. Uh, the previous one they were talking about, that it was it was four presenters talking about culture and hiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting to see about uh, Clio was there. They talked about their product and how they build it for their customers. If mm-hmm. they make their employees happy, it makes their customers happy. Yep. Uh, Wealth Bar was talking about transparency mm-hmm. and how they're actually looking towards opening up the salary so that everyone can yep. 
to see, but also like evening the salaries so that the lowest paid person isn't exponentially less than the higher paid person, the highest paid person. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, that does sound quite interesting. Um, I've seen a lot of companies that are, you know, relatively transparent, um, or they say, you know, we try strive for complete transparency, yeah. except for salaries. Yeah. Uh, and it's usually that except for salaries. But how many companies are actually open book companies, uh, including salaries? I can't name one off the top of my right. head. I don't know if you can. No, uh, none that I can think of. What, think what do you think would happen if you open a salary? Like, uh-huh. uh, what do you think would happen? Um, I don't know. It's a really interesting question. So yeah. I guess I guess it depends on if you're working at a company mm-hmm. where there's you know some some pretty harsh negotiation. I think a lot of time you'll have places where, uh, especially right now. I mean, if we look back about five years ago mm-hmm. compared to now, the salary ranges I think for a software developer in Vancouver would be quite different. So mm-hmm. someone who was say a senior developer five years ago, who's uh, hopefully more senior now because yeah, they, yeah. you know five Experience, years has gone yeah. by. Um, but let's say they took a job seven years ago yeah. um, and they got what they considered it to be a good salary and they've had, you know, regular raises and they feel pretty comfortable. And now they're maybe leading a team and they've got some pretty good people, good talent on their team, and they get some, you know, some pretty solid intermediates sure. on their team. And then they open the books and you find out, whoa, wait a second, the people I'm leading uh, that have less experience than me are getting paid more than me. Yeah, that would be a little frustrating. Right. Yeah. So I could see that <laughs> kind of situation and wanting to avoid that. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I guess from the from that senior's point of view, wouldn't you want to know what you're worth now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see I can see two sides: the employees fighting each other side, where it's like I'm worth more than you. I do twice as much work, or right. you know, you're always sick, so you don't get it. You shouldn't get as much as me. <laughs> or like, um, you know, this person. Oh, oh, look, the pre- people of different gender get different paid differently. Like mm-hmm. that, that could be a huge issue as oh, well. Wow, yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking it from the employer's perspective: is mm-hmm. that like. The employer wants to get away with paying people as minimum as possible. Like mm-hmm. they want to get away with the the least amount. In most cases, they'd like to not have to pay dream salaries. So they'd that, like well, to pay. Well, that's really interesting. I think. Um, so, I mean, maybe it sounds silly or naive to yeah. say, shouldn't an employer's best interest be looking out for its employees? Yeah. And so, wanting to give them and provide them the best life possible. Yeah. Maybe maybe that would be something. I don't know. Um, I I, th- I do think it's a really interesting idea, at least open books uh, and open salaries. Um, we don't do it at our our yeah. uh, company, do you? Yeah. At yours? Uh, no. no, no. It's just like we've had like with contractors. Even it's like like mm-hmm. they they set their own rate. So right. it's like you got we give you the rate you, you wanted. All our employees we paid with them what they asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't we didn't really negotiate. The negotiation was very slim. Right. Like, I yeah. could definitely see uh, like some superstar rising company. Yeah start doing something like that and saying like, you know, we have our uh, open salaries sure. and kind of boasting to the rest of the community, look how much we pay our people. Yeah, that could know, be really and that cool. that would be like, I think maybe a good way of recruiting people to their company yeah, absolutely. as well. Yeah. Um, and it would really, I think, set the bar uh, a lot higher. But I just, I don't see it happening. And I think that, um, you know, I think the hiding of how much people are worth or worth to that company, um, I kind of, for some reason, I think it's a little dirty. I think it help. I think I think the thing that I'm feeling is like mm-hmm. there, it might help remove some of the anxiety around money that yeah. a lot of people have. Like, oh man, yeah. like am I making enough? Like, mm-hmm. if it, what if you're making the exact same as the person beside you? Then you can just relax. Like, oh, they're making they're making the same as me. Like, we're we're doing the same now, job. Do you think that like, if they did open up salaries, do you think that some people 
would be like, whoa, I'm getting paid way too much. I need to take a salary decrease. <laughs> maybe, maybe. That would be nice, though. I don't know if you'd want to scream that out loud to everyone yeah. in the room, but uh, you might just be like, oh, sweet, sweet, I'm doing, doing all right. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay, so that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, for the Tech Vancouver, we wouldn't need to bring a laptop? No, no, you'd, def- you'd be getting pizza grease all over it. Oh, pizza yeah. grease, nice. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like a pretty good meetup anyway. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. So what about the uh, the upcoming week? We have a pretty busy week coming up. Yes, very busy. We uh, did a good job packing it up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's start with the Get Help and Zero Tech on Monday, May- July 6th. Yeah, so that starts from uh, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. That's I meant June at... 6th. <laughs> what? What had you said? I said July. <laughs> oh, what's... yeah, June yeah. 6th, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so Get Help and Zero Tech over at Decentral, 436 West Pender from 4 to 6. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely make sure to bring a laptop and... Uh, have some fun. Yeah. If you have some Git questions or a- anything about Git you'd like to work with or about zero tech and mm-hmm. questions about what that is and how you might apply it, um, that might be a good meetup to, yeah. to go check out. Brain Station, they have something from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. There's a $15 workshop. This is intro to web development. So if you're, if maybe if you're interested in web development uh, or you don't have much experience with it or you want to see how an intro to web development uh, goes and you got $15 to spend, mm-hmm. then this is uh, this is your event. It is a bring your own laptop event. So make sure to bring that out. It yeah. starts at 6 p.m. And uh, it's about an hour and a half to two hour hands-on lesson with 30-minute Q&A networking. Cool. Yeah. Test out BrainStation, see what they're like. All right. And the next one is the Pi Ladies Vancouver meetup. Yeah, so this one, uh, it's a planning hangout, and it looks like it still needs a location, uh, but this is from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's PyLadies and PyLadies Planning. I think this is a Google Hangout, actually. So they're actually going to email the attendees the link to the hangout. Oh, there you so go. I okay. guess location is like online or Google Hangouts, but that's what it seems like to me right now. Yeah, and it does it does look like that as well. Uh, and, and it says events that have already been talked about that they want to arrange are the Raspberry Pi workshop in the summer, a social event, and a talk night in June. So it'd be a good um, good event to get involved in if you are uh, planning on going to those or wanting to be involved in the planning session. Yeah, absolutely. And then our uh, Tuesday, our busy day, uh, the first event, Open Coffee. Yeah, so this is at uh, 8 a.m. You've been out to this once? Yeah, well, just once. Just once. All I right. might, I might <laughs> actually like, be yeah, able to get to this awesome. one a little bit more soon. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, so Tuesday, it is 8 a.m. over at Nelson the Seagull, 315 Carroll Street. Um, bring a laptop. Don't bring a laptop. Totally up to you, but yeah. just go chill, have some coffee, and talk to some people. Cool. Yeah. Another brain station. This is their week of meetups, it seems like. Yeah, uh, so this is a, a lunch, lunch and learn. learn. Yeah. Jesse Vendry, Vaudry, Shopify Plus. Nice. So this looks pretty interesting. And uh, lunch and learn from noon to one at Brain Station, one 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 zero Hamilton Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that make sure to. Uh, it looks like there is an RSVP yeah. official page. Uh, so just RSVP there. It is free to attend, and it looks like you'll get to uh, learn about how do you get from arts to IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, what skills are important for the tech industry? Confidence and in its importance for women in tech what Shopify is doing to increase gender representation in tech jobs. So this looks pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. Uh, definitely something to go out to and attend if you get a chance. Yeah, and then Vancouver Rust. Vancouver Rust. So this is at 5.30 to 7.30, and this is a weekly meetup. There is a study group mm-hmm. that uh, gets together and works through the Rust Lang book, and there are other people at various levels, you know, um, 
a lot of the people there have uh, a, a bit of experience with Rust and right. are working on some projects, mostly personal projects. There are sometimes people uh, using Rust professionally and people kind of at all different levels. Uh, definitely a fun group to be a part of, uh, bring a laptop and be ready to work on some Rust. You've stuff. mentioned that sometimes they break into sort of two groups. Um, even multiple groups. So okay. I'll usually, depending on how many people are there. Yeah. I'll usually pair up with someone or a couple of people and we'll go through uh, some of the wrestling um, uh, actually book. Mm -hmm. And other people, sometimes they're like, well, maybe I don't want to do that, but I wouldn't yeah. mind talking about this um, this gaming engine in Rust cool. or about working professionally Google's in Rust. Google's new XI editor written in Rust. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. And the next one, Vancouver Closure Hack Night. Yeah. So this is at 6 p.m. over at CodeCore 142 West Hastings. Also make sure to bring your laptop out to that. And yeah, absolutely. Ready to hack on some closure stuff. All right, Vancouver Tug, the Vancouver Technology User Group. Mm -hmm. This is over at the BCTIA Innovation Hub, Great Northern Way. And this is something that's happening from 6 p.m. Is it from 6 p.m.? Yes, 6 p.m. It is from 6 p.m. And this is, uh, this, what is the technology user group all about, James? So I'm not, I think it, they seem to have like a lot of cloud stuff as well as even just general computer stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't really seen a, a theme. Uh, I'd like to see maybe if they have a good description on what that is. This yeah. actual event is Azure Remote App with Dana Epp. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they're talking about this Azure tool called Remote App, which I actually haven't heard of. So um, it'll be interesting to figure out what that is. Yeah, I think this would be quite interesting. Uh, I'm not quite sure uh, where the um, or what sort of people go because I haven't been out to any of these meetups. But I kind of think it's like the intersection of business and uh, IT. Okay. I kind of think that's the, a general sense I get. But okay, I definitely like to go out and have a look and see how it is. Yeah. All right. And the Polyglot Vancouver Social. Yeah, so this is over at the St. Regis, 608 Dunsmuir Street from 6 p.m. And it'll probably go rather late. So I think uh, I'll definitely hit up the Rust uh, meetup. And then after that, I might walk on over to the St. Regis and uh, join up with those people around 730. Or yeah, this one is absolutely not a laptop. I've actually seen these people meeting <laughs> when I walked by the St. Regis one time. Uh -huh. It's just a huge table of people just chatting about security and all this other different stuff or polyglot stuff. <laughs> security stuff, but polyglot stuff. Yeah, I don't think yeah. there's a, a, there's necessarily a theme for the conversation, yeah. but it is, uh, it is pretty technical, uh, a technical crowd. So you can yeah. talk tech with people and should be fun. All right. And this famous meetup. This famous one, huh? Yeah, this is a Vancouver PHP meetup. Well, this is interesting. There's like three things happening at the same time over at the same place. Yeah. This is uh, over at uh, Red Academy, 1490 West Broadway. So mm -hmm. that's Broadway and Granville. Yeah. Right um, above the blends. That's yeah. Right there. And so tell us a little bit about this. This Vancouver PHP, is it? Yeah, that's how you say it. PHP. Yeah, yeah. I am the uh, co-organizer of this meetup. We have, we sort of switched it from the old style, which was... Mm -hmm. um. They met less often, but they had these really huge things. Like the one that people keep talking about that's on people's minds is there's this amazing one that I missed that was at Hootsuite. And they were talking about um, bringing PHP to like 50,000 requests a second or something like that, that, mm -hmm. that, that Hootsuite managed to bring them to. Yep. Um, we, we're sort of trying to make it more consistent, but maybe smaller talks. So I'm, I'm sort of modeling it after the Ruby Lightning talks mm -hmm. where it's like very quick, like things you can use at work. Yep. Things that'll make you money quickly, tools that'll make you faster. That's really the pitch now. So I noticed you'd sent out a uh, a request for speakers and you're like, well, anyone who's already spoken, please don't send in a request. Yeah. We want someone new. Uh, what was up? What was that all about? Well, we've, we've had the same sort of, uh, we've had some people already speak twice, mm -hmm. which this would be their third time speaking, which yep. I don't want to make it seem like 
the 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 meetup is run by these like seven guys uh-huh. um and our our whole thing and and Arthur as well is really a champion of this Arthur the other uh, co-organizer he's really about like you know speak about something like th- this is your opportunity to come up and do your first talk come up mm-hmm. and do something new come up and share something if you think you don't have anything to talk about mm-hmm. you know you're probably wrong there's probably something that you use at work that a trick that you little a little trick that you found we just want really want to open up to even newbies and everyone and mm-hmm. even if you don't feel comfortable like don't worry we'll help you feel comfortable if you have slides you're not sure of we'll help you do that we just want new people to come up and share their ideas right even if you don't feel comfortable come on up yeah come on up we'll, we'll be, i'll stand right beside you the whole time while you while you talk so nice okay well that sounds pretty cool and yeah. uh i've gone out to one of them i think the the first one that you were co- co-organizing. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was great. I uh, Good pizza, too. Yeah, there was really yeah. good pizza, a good turnout of people. Uh, and I think the the topics were in the flavor of PHP. Hmm. But I think they were um, they were still, other than the, here's what's coming up in the new PHP. Yeah. <laughs> other yeah. than that, they were still fairly, um, I guess. Generalized. Ge- yeah, yeah, general computing stuff that I think you could apply to other things as well. Yeah. And, I, and I got a lot out of it. So yeah, I these it ones cool. are much more PHP specific at this point. But, okay. um, but yeah, check out the... But even that, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, what's been going on with PHP yeah. since uh, since the last time I've used it. All right. And surprise, surprise, there's something else at Red Academy the same day on the same place. Uh, this is the uh, Intro to Digital Marketing AdWords meetup. Mm-hmm. And that's from 6 to 8 p.m. And you can either choose to go to that or there's another one. They have the Intro to UX Information Architecture. Yeah, well, as far as I can tell, these what are both free UX as well. What is UX information architecture? Uh, well, UX is user experience. Right. And then the information architecture side would probably be... The way that you're laying out your yeah. information and how you find it. I guess how many clicks to get to places. And, yeah, probably. Uh, all sorts of stuff. I think information architecture is quite an interesting field. Uh, this sounds awesome. Intro to UX information architecture there's actually a definition here for the people that uh for the show hosts that haven't read all the way down the description it says uh, information architecture is what it takes to impact the design of it's kind of a I'm oh, kind was, of, did sure you just make to... that up off the top <laughs> of your head uh, yeah i'm trying to read that but it's not very easy to read but uh yeah they both seem really interesting they're both free events both two hours same nice. time same place and uh if that wasn't enough for you we also have the react js uh mm-hmm. meetup happening at movify it's the third floor uh, of 948 Homer. That's at 6.30 on Tuesday. There is a wait list for this, however. So yeah. uh, if you're not on it, you'll have to get on that. I'm not surprised but either. I'm yeah. not surprised either. Yeah. Um, they seem to have a really good uh, turnout of people. They say It says there's 80 people going. Yeah. Um, now, the last time they had the uh, the React.js meet up there, they also had it, I think, live streamed on YouTube. Cool. So I was on the wait list, I think, and I didn't get in. But I uh, instead had a beer in my pajamas on yeah. my sofa and watched it on TV. It looks like they're awesome. planning to live stream here. It does say in the description that there will be a live stream. And I actually talked to one of the future presenters and friend of the show, David Lutke. He's uh, mm. presenting Feathers in React. Oh, nice. Yeah, that, that looks like a pretty awesome meetup as well. So Tuesday is definitely not movie night this, this week. No, definitely not. <laughs> it's very busy. <laughs> okay. And Wednesday we have... Uh, what do we have? Learn data science. Yeah, we also have so learn data science. That's happening at six p.m. Uh, over at SFU Venture Labs Harbor Center. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the uh, Linux Show Me Your Desktop meetup? So that's happening over uh, at Decentral as well. So this one is if you're running Linux or if you're interested in running Linux, you just want to try it out. Uh, this would be a good meetup to go to, or even if you just want to talk, you know, um, kind of go and say. You know, oh, I'm I'm using a Mac. Why yeah. Why would you recommend using Linux? And then have people scoff at you. Like, oh, you're not <laughs> yeah. using Linux. No. Uh, but actually maybe have a, a good conversation about what might be some differences. Why might you consider Linux over uh, a, an actual Unix? Like Adam um, calls it the Freedom Mac. Hater Pro. 
instead of the MacBook Pro. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> that, that's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. I actually uh, had trouble installing. I was trying to run a live boot, and I just couldn't get it to go. So I think I'm going to have to go to this and uh, and check it out. Try what to were you out trying to, to run it, it on? on just on my, on my Mac. Was that a newer version of Linux? Uh, it was like Ubuntu, the newest one, 1614, 16 oh, yeah. something. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think um, I think the, the bootloader or something changed with the live uh, CDs, and they might oh. be expecting like a new uefi or whatever. oh right yeah um, if i'd gone I to found, the meetup i might have known this yeah, yeah. i found like, with like a 1404 uh yeah. live key i had no problem booting up yeah. from that but hmm. interesting yeah so that would definitely be something uh worth checking out and that again that's over at decentral 436 west pender from 430 uh to 630 all right and then we'll jump to thursday yep so another one at decentral 436 yes. west pender the ddd cqrs es practitioners meetup from 4 30 to 7 p.m yeah can i put you on the spot and ask you to describe ddd cqrs and es this time sure can if you'd like uh so this is this is a meetup that goes uh over these three things and so domain driven design is kind of the idea of um well there's a i guess there's a lot of ideas with it but one thing is understanding the domain and having ubiquitous terms that are used throughout uh, throughout your organization. So everyone from your CEO to your janitor to your software developers to your business intelligence to your salespeople, mm -hmm. when they say uh, a user registers, they're saying user, they're saying registers, and there's certain ideas yeah. of what that means. Everybody knows users register with email addresses and passwords and password verification. And yeah. that's it. And, and that's... Keeping that kind of stuff ubiquitous mm -hmm. uh, is, is an important part with uh, uh, of that. Um, CQRS, the command query responsibility segregation. I'll let you Google that. And then, uh, <laughs> event storming or event sourcing practitioners. Um, so this is obviously events. I'll let you take a look at that as well. But if you are wondering, if you if you're not sure what what any of this means, uh, it is some development, uh, I guess, methodology um, and some really interesting ideas. There's a lot of uh, this is a very workshoppy style mm. of uh, of a meetup. It happens every Thursday. There's a, a fireside chat and there's a lot of workshoppy stuff. So if you're interested in development methodologies and working with uh, some seniors who have a lot of experience with this, this would be a good workshop to check out. Laptop for sure, right? Um, I would definitely bring a laptop. Although if you don't, you're still going to be able to participate in a lot of the hands-on workshop cool. stuff. And if you are coding, you're probably going to be pairing with someone anyway. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. So we got this uh, oddball remote Vancouver needs a location. That sounds pretty ironic. Yeah, uh, that's so as well. 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. So what's this all about, James? Yeah, there's not a big description. Um, I just found this one randomly just trying to fill out some of our events for this week. And uh, it's called 5 at 7 Remote Van Social Drink. Um, I'm looking at the description of the meetup group. It's essentially these oh. digital nomad people that are just meeting and they love talking about working remotely. I've seen this before. Yeah, I don't think this is necessarily uh, tech specific. This could be, you know, a remote yeah. logger. Or a, yeah, it could be anything, what really. That, what does that even mean? Uh, writer working remotely. Yeah. Yeah, that seems kind of interesting. This group's content is available only to members. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's rightfully an oddball. Uh, and then we have this Impact Career Fair uh, over at Science World uh, or TELUS World of Science. I guess it is now. 1455 Quebec Street from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's called the Impact Career Fair. Yeah, this one might be an oddball as well. I did look at it. You're trying to see exactly what the careers or the type of companies that would be there. And it mm -hmm. doesn't really break it down that much, but it sort of gives a description about uh, here's the little description here. Meet do good businesses of all sizes who are actively recruiting and explore what it might be like to start your own impact business. Yeah. And just as an idea here, um, the, so the tickets are free. 
and there's uh, different types of tickets. So the early tickets, there are 125. Those are all sold out. Mm-hmm. They were free as well. Uh, but the the two types that are remaining are job seekers uh, and free. Uh, sorry, co-founder hunter. Both yeah. of these are free as well. But I'm guessing they're I... just for analytics purposes, like see how many people go in each category, like self assigned. You know, I'm not sure, but yeah. it does seem like uh, it does seem like the job seekers has a, a limit of 200, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the co-founder hunter doesn't seem to have a limit. Yeah. So maybe they've just categorized this to kind of to cap the numbers uh, artificially. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Code Core Demo Day. Yeah, Code Core Demo Day. So this is uh, 12 weeks of culmination of uh, the next developer coming out from Code Core, and they're going to be presenting what they've done. Yeah, I actually went to one of these, and I was absolutely blown away by mm. the level of talent that came out. Um, there's a lot of people that sometimes kind of see like, oh, how can you learn that much in 12 weeks? I've never but heard anyone say that. I I, I've heard like, people wow, definitely say weeks, that. You're learning a lot. Of course. <laughs> no, I've no, definitely heard kidding. people say that. And uh-huh. it's like, it's, it was, I was amazed. It was, mm-hmm. it was amazing. There were so many amazing things. They're using technology from like today and tomorrow, not like this old stuff that maybe some teacher in, at university might teach you that maybe, maybe not up, might apply to a job that you're going to get today or the entry level job you might get today. Mm-hmm. But this is absolutely amazing. It was, it was great. And there was food and pizza and drinks and everyone was, it was fun. Awesome. Yeah. So that's coming up for, at 6 p.m. on Thursday uh, over at Code Core 142 West Hastings. No reason to bring a laptop, mm-hmm. but maybe if you're looking to hire some local talent, bring some business cards. Yeah. Um, or if you're interested in what uh, you might be able to achieve after having gone through a boot camp, uh, take a look at that. Yeah. This is another, this is a, this is the Mainland Advanced Research Society meetup. And this was, a, I actually got this confused with the Polyglot Social because it's at the same place and it's a similar type of event it's the van city sec vancouver's premier monthly hacking and security professional meetup so maybe this is an oddball i kind of think it fits in there with hacking and security i don't think it's an oddball at all i think that should yeah i think that should be pretty interesting um and would definitely be worth checking out as well yeah so this is from 6 p.m and i think we uh we often take for granted that you know security is baked into our frameworks or things like that and i think that's eh, maybe not the best policy but uh, this might be an interesting thing to go out to and uh, talk to some people who do consider themselves uh, a hacker slash security professional. Yeah, get some free advice from a security professional at St. Regis. Or maybe <laughs> it'll cost you a beer. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> All right. And then we have the Van J- Vancouver JavaScript or the VanJS Vancouver JavaScript Developers Meetup. Yeah, and this is over at uh, SFU Harbor Center. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure which room this is in, but it's 515 West Hastings. You can always just uh, either ask somebody in the group or uh, ask as you go in. They usually have the security, uh, usually has a list of where everything's at. And this looks like there are some pretty interesting things happening. So one, data visualization with D3JS. Uh, sounds awesome. Two, VR experiences on the open web also sounds pretty awesome. And three, one of Most my important. favorites here, beer. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. It, it does say the room at, at the very bottom of the meetup. It does say room 1800. Oh, room 1800. There yeah. you go. Right at the bottom uh, of the meetup. RSVP for a seat and see you then. It looks like there's 110 people going. It looks like it'll be a pretty big, pretty awesome meetup. VanJS, D3, and 3D. Yeah, absolutely. And we have Friday. Yeah, <laughs> Rare Friday meetup. Spring U, Demo Day. So Spring is a, sort of like an incubator for businesses. So this would be a great time to check out what Spring can do for you and <laughs> what uh, Spring has going on. And this is over at Unbounce, uh, Suite 400, or the fourth floor, uh, 401 West Georgia. Space is limited. Make sure to RSVP to confirm your spot. Mm-hmm. 
I think also if you're looking for a job, this might be a good place to scope out as well because these companies are on the up and up. Interesting, yeah. So, and this is uh, from 6 p.m. Looks like there's some networking. 6:30 to 7:30, there's some pitching, uh, and then from 7:30. Uh, there's the um, alumni showcase open networking. So th- actually, Spring U isn't this? Uh, this was like an incubator sort of yeah yeah exactly program right yeah but but kind of a um, an entrepreneur boot camp if you will um I guess I just I, I think so I'm and not sure what level that was uh, maybe making a difference in the community or something like that as well possibly maybe we could talk to someone from Spring because I've heard a lot of good things about them yeah I thought we had but okay <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway sounds good uh, oh, Ilya, Ilya Bratsky's a partner or a, a, a mentor at Spring that's mm-hmm. who we talked to but yeah oh, okay on. nice and then uh, on Saturday there's a couple things happening as well there's the hack against breast cancer over at Launch Academy that's 3128 West Hastings. Yeah, so this is on Saturday from 9.30 a.m. to 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. So uh, this one, I like this about the hackathon that they're talking about here is that they actually have a goal in mind, and that is produce new and innovative ways to remind people to get mammograms. Mammog- mammographies. Mammographies? Mm-hmm. Okay. I call I say, I would say mammograms, but uh, yeah, mammographies. Um, yeah, which is good. You have a goal in mind, which can be really tough with a hackathon. If it's make your idea and make the actual execution, that can be tough. This one, you know, you know exactly what you're trying to do. That seems really cool. All right. And one more on Saturday as well. We have the Open Source Circular Economy Hackathon. So two hackathons coming up. Yeah, absolutely. So this one is a two-day or... No, sorry. It's only one day on Mm -hmm. Saturday from 9 9 a.m. to to 5. It is free as well, but you got to register. There's a a registry on Eventbrite. Yeah, there's also something... It's part of this thing called Startup City Impact, and it's part Mm -hmm. of the Vancouver Economic Commission. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's a a couple-day thing, but this is the hackathon that we're talking about right now. Awesome. Okay, and that's from uh, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. over at The Hive, 128 West Hastings, uh, Suite 210. And that's it for the meetups this week. And we're here on the Vancouver Tech Podcast with Luke Kloss. Luke, thanks for being on. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on the podcast. All right. We're super excited. Uh, so I wanted to ask you a few questions, but um, maybe first of all, you can tell us a little bit about uh, Recollect. What is Recollect? If we take the story back to like 2009, mm-hmm. um, uh, Open Data was kind of just getting started by the city. Mm-hmm. And I was working for some tech company down in the Bay Area. And I saw that our city was doing open data stuff and it kind of like resonated with me. And and really the the thing that kind of hooked me was this notion of there's this bargain that the city is striking, right? So that mm-hmm. the city is making data available and that people with skills like kind of us or maybe people listening to this um, can can kind of contribute some time and build value on top of that data. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really got me was that I felt like the open data stuff um, is like kind of a first step towards maybe broader, more digital government or something. Mm -hmm. And by building value on top of the open data, you kind of lock the open data in, right? Because it makes it harder to remove that open data when there's value that people are depending Mm -hmm. on top of it, right? right. So that bargain kind of really um, uh, made sense to me. And so um, we did a little hackathon project over beer at the uh, Vancouver Hackspace. Um, we had Super mm-hmm. Happy Hacker House number four. Nice. And we were drinking beer in East Van Alleys or downtown East Side Alleys. And um, we built this little hackathon project. And then we ended up getting uh, in touch with the author of the blog who kind of described it. Mm-hmm. He ended up becoming my business partner um, for Recollect. And uh, so we we ended up building this kind of like little project that ran for about two years called Van Trash. And mm-hmm. people really liked it. And it was just a super simple thing. It was like 
kind of the value was purely for people that lived in cities. There was no value for the city itself, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it kind of reminded you about Garbage Day. And so it was like a little hackathon project. And we launched it the same day the city launched their open data portal. Mm-hmm. So the timing was really good. So nice. we got kind of some promotion there. Um, and then uh, that ran for about two years. And it was it was like a tremendously rewarding open source project because there was basically no bugs. <laughs> And I didn't really touch it for two years. Uh-huh. And then almost every week, someone would say, hey, I totally love this thing to me. Nice. So it was like, awesome. there was like no downsides to the typical open source project. Because okay. nobody's running our code. Like we just, mm-hmm. it was just a, kind of a little SaaS thing. Yeah. And then uh, residents totally loved it. Like, And so it was like, that was really rewarding. And so after about two years, we mm-hmm. said, you know, there's something here. We don't really know what it is or like mm-hmm. how to build a business around it. Who was it that was saying that? Um, myself, David Eves and Kevin Jones, my two ended up co-founders. Not your mom? Uh, no, actually my mom. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because she's like, oh, Luke, you got to build this into a business. And I'm like, mom, I don't know. So for two years, she was kind of like, this is great. Come on, mom. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, mom, you, you know, you don't, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so like, so that for two years, it kind of ran as just a little project. And then for another year, we were like, okay, let's try to make this into a business. But we mm. didn't really know what we were doing or the language we would speak or what we were really selling. So there was like 2011 was kind of a year of discovery in mm-hmm. today's mm-hmm. terms. You might call that like customer discovery or yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so, and then we did that. And then in uh, 2012, we basically turned it into a business, got our first customers and kind of started rolling from there. The big part of that journey was like figuring out how do we take the value we've built for residents, mm-hmm. like just end, end people. And, uh, and how do we like describe that and package it in a way that cities would be able to buy it? And right. that was the real challenge is like mm-hmm. thinking, what is the value we need to deliver to them so that they'll pay for it? Yeah. Um, and so, go ahead. Yeah. You described um, what, how Recollect came about, but not necessarily what it is and what the mechanics sure, sure. are of what Recollect actually, uh, what these, these citizens would actually use Recollect for. So can yeah, you describe yeah. the mechanics of it? Yeah. So um, what we are now today is, is um, kind of a SaaS product for cities. Mm. Um, and we do uh, communications tools around solid waste and recycling. So we have a number of products. We have um, kind of website widgets. So if you live in the city of Vancouver and you have to go check your garbage schedule, you go to the city website and you're going to use a little like lookup tool where you punch in your address and you get your kind of schedule customized to your specific address. So it'll know if you're multifamily, it'll know if you're single family and all the rules, tell you your garbage days, tell you what goes in what streams. Um, there's also a product to look up, like if you have an old propane tank or a mm-hmm. car seat, like where does that go? Oh, cool. What so about kinda, furniture or things like that? Yeah, like it'll tell you where to take those items. Right? Nice. Um, and then we also have just um, worked on a recycling game. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, again, with communication and education, um, municipalities spend a lot of money and they have to do a lot of work to educate residents. Right. Um, and that game kind of came about from our customer in Surrey, city of Surrey where they have a interesting challenge where like they have such an influx of people that have lived in other parts of the world and in other parts of the world where the recycling and waste collection programs are just so radically different. So there's Mm -hmm. so much education to do um, to get people to, you know, take organics out of the garbage Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. so it's been kind of this really interesting like adventure of, Uh you know, starting in the tech world and applying tech skills to a problem and then ending up in like the the waste industry. (laughs) Right. right? So like, you know, we go to WasteCon and Waste Expo and it's like these huge (laughs) like football field stadiums full of like garbage trucks and chipping (laughs) machinery and all this like kind of crazy gear. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, yeah, let's actually go back to, um, so you had, uh, you had this product and you're like, okay, let's, let's actually 
convert this into something that we can sell, yeah. that we can you know, productize. Uh, what were some of the challenges that you faced with that? How did you overcome them? There was a lot of challenges. Yeah. Uh, you know, like very initially, we started out saying, you know, when we launched the product and those people that were like emailing me you know, week after week to say, this is cool. Uh-huh. Um, that was like basically only people that were on Twitter or in civic tech at right, the time, right. right? So it's like basically nobody in the city knows about it mm-hmm. percentage wise. <laughs> and so the insight I had is like, if I want meaningful percentages of the population to benefit from these tools, mm-hmm. the only option I have is to charge for that privilege. Mm-hmm. So in other words, like even if this software was was open source, which it was at the time, I can't give it away to cities because cities do not want open source software. I mean, what what is the uh, what's the drawback for them or what's the what don't they want about that? So, so basically, like, A, they're never going to hear about it because mm-hmm. nobody's like reaching into the recycling coordinator in a, in a city department and telling them about open source software. Nobody's mm-hmm. getting paid to do that. Mm-hmm. So really, it's like the only way to to get this software actually out into residents' hands is to describe value and to go after and sell to cities mm-hmm. and articulate that you're going to solve problems to them. Right. And so... Um, so we realized that the only way that this software could have an impact is if we charge for it and right. if we become like a, a business. But also maintaining it, right? And service yeah. contracts, things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So, so cities want someone to city call. And I say, here's, here's some open source thing. You just take it and go. Then they have to implement it. They yeah. have to figure it out. They, they have, have to, to deal with it. To start off with, they have to understand <laughs> what the value it is right, that, right. It, that they're going to benefit from. Then they need to put people in place or staff in place that may, you know, typically the city staff, not all cities are like this, but most of them are like, you know, Microsoft stack or like yeah. they're, you know, they're not the types of tools that we as civic hackers would build with. Right. Um, and so, and they want someone to just, that they can call. Mm-hmm. I was going to mention, I've done work with cities before and you probably know this, that the more responsibility they have, the longer and harder it's going to be to make a change. Yeah. Um, that you talked about hosting a site, just hosting a site can be a huge, like a huge undertaking for this yeah. massive IT team that manages uh, like pretty amazing, like big websites for the actual city. So getting to like, adding a subdomain is like the last thing on their list yeah or you know pointing a domain to a server it's just a huge hassle so taking all that responsibility away from them is like the easiest way and the only way you can do that is to actually put people on it put labor on it so charging them makes total sense Mm -hmm. so around that time you had uh how many people on the team um so for the first like i'd say 18 months or something Mm -hmm. it was really just the three of us we had Mm -hmm. a guy part-time helping out with support right um but we had a really solid founding team so we Mm -hmm. had myself and uh kevin who were both like we'd worked together for eight years or something, mm-hmm. and we'd both had ten or twelve years of industry experience as developers, so mm-hmm. we could pretty much build anything. Right. Kevin and I paired really well; like mm-hmm. I would mostly do backend stuff, he would mostly do front end stuff. Oh, nice! And then Dave was uh, just super awesome on the business side, super awesome mm-hmm. on the strategy side, and so the three of us could actually get really far. Right. And we really like embraced the constraints mm-hmm. of not having money and right. you know like the, those constraints were actually the constraints of not having money. Yeah, like I'm actually like pretty I'm uh-huh. well I'm super proud of what we did, but I I really think that the constraints, you know, they forced us to design things in a way where um we can't just rely on a huge support team to do things right. or you know we have to be smart about what we build and mm-hmm. and kind of a little bit slower right. and so that gave a lot of time for the ideas to marinate mm-hmm. and i think that was super valuable i think like if we had have had funding and like built up a team and moved faster mm-hmm. we would have just made more expensive mistakes right. and i don't know that we would have learned a whole lot faster interesting so was it mostly dave i guess in, in the beginning getting the foot in the door with uh, some of the contracts and things like that um dave and myself yeah and dave himself. was definitely yeah. a, a big part of it but i think for me like one of the best parts of this whole experience over the past number of years mm-hmm. is i mean i guess it's almost seven years now is um 
has been like tremendous personal growth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having to sell software in an enterprise sales environment, like uh-huh. when you're a developer is <laughs> crazy hard. And mm-hmm. like, it's totally gave me so much newfound respect for, for sales teams and for what mm-hmm. sales do. And like, really just understanding how like emotional this mm-hmm. um, and psychological the sales process is. Like right. you can't be like fixing a big severity bug and then like five minutes later, go do like an awesome sales demo because you're going to be all caught up in like, the, you know, in develop- as developers, we're always looking at the bugs and what doesn't work and what's not yet implemented. Mm-hmm. And like in sales, you just need to think like this is the best product on the market. There's mm-hmm. no problems with it. And you just, I just really felt like that difficulty in context switching between right. like, coding and sales the developers always try to sell tools Salespeople sell outcomes yeah like this is the outcome you receive by buying our product they don't care what the stack is they just they don't they care about what they're going to achieve what the return is for them and what it's actually going to make them look like they care about their own personal pr as well they want they don't want you to to buy something and pay some company else and it blows up they're going to be really angry (laughs) yeah they're really angry look bad people might get fired you know all that type of stuff so it's important that that distinction's made, but it's tough to get over. It's strange. Yeah. And it's like, I think for developers, like talking about money is really hard and talking, you know, uh, there's just so much of it, like is uncomfortable making cold calls, you know, uh-huh. all of that is just so, but the flip side of it is if you can like push through those and grind through that, mm-hmm. then, you know, you come out the other side. So I like when, now when I talk to like young people starting companies um, and I can just push them on customer development or push them on talking to customers more mm-hmm. or like prospects and, it's just amazing when I look back at like how much I've grown kind of in that skill set. Mm-hmm. So is that one of the uh, the biggest areas of recommendation you'd give is, you know, if you're, if you're developing uh, a business, then really focus on your customer? Yeah. And I think like uh, as developers, it's easy mm-hmm. to ignore that because you have this like right. ra- um, fuzzy rat hole of <laughs> development where it's like it's always easier to go pick up and like push forward on the code. Mm-hmm. But like phoning customers and... Even be, even before their customers, but phoning prospects and doing customer discovery, all that stuff is so so hard. It's so easy to put off. Mm-hmm. But um, for us, like that year before we really started the business, we really didn't do any coding. Mm-hmm. So we we would kind of have, and we we've, we've kind of always had the philosophy that we're not going to build things that people aren't paying for. So um, we always try and get within a number of weeks of being able to deliver software Mm -hmm. and then not going past that until we have a paying customer. Mm -hmm. So um, when we were doing the, like the very early stages of transitioning from an open source project to a company, we just didn't do development. You know, we kind of got close and then we said, okay, then we signed the first customers or first customer and, and then kind of did those, that small amount of development to kind of get things polished and move things forward. And then we kind of do that. So we try to not build products that don't have customers yet. We try and like find customers that are going to put their money on the line and then, and pay. Yeah. I guess in that point, you're sort of, um, you're definitely validating the idea before, and that's a typical startup. The idea is, uh, can we sell this first? Like, let's build it after we know we can sell it. Um, which to a lot of developers make, doesn't make sense either. Like, Oh, we need to build a demo to show them. Like, um, maybe, but maybe, like, yeah. you might not have to do that. Somebody might be able to sell just based on concept or solving some problem that they know they already have. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the stack because I know it's interesting about, I'm looking at one of the job posts here and I think it's really interesting what you have here. Yeah. So, um, actually before we do that, I, yeah, I kind of okay. wanted to ask a little bit about this. I think we have, we have a kind of funny overlap in that we both kind of worked for, uh, active state. I think you have a really good, my first day at active state story. Yeah. So <laughs> The access to, like so I was working for a company in Richmond and totally and then I had uh, picked up juggling mm-hmm. so I'm kind of a juggler nice and 
totally on a whim one day, I was like, I wonder if there is a news group. This is like in 2000 or something. Uh -huh. I wonder if there's a news group on juggling. Because mm -hmm. like back then you check news mm. groups. <laughs> and, and sure enough, there was like rec.juggling. Yeah. And one week prior, a guy named Eric Promislow, who's a Vancouver uh -huh. developer, yeah. had posted and said, hey, I want to start a Vancouver juggling club. Nice. So like totally out of the like just the ether, <laughs> this idea came, hey, maybe yeah. there's rec.juggling. And I went yeah. and checked it out. Eric and I started the juggling club. We started juggling. He taught me to pass clubs. And he said, hey, by the way, uh, we're looking to hire at Active State. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a Pearl job. Mm -hmm. And uh, the current, I started my career doing C development. So I was right. doing C kind of like low level telecom mm -hmm. programming. And, uh, and I remember my manager came over one day and he's like, he hands me the camel book, uh -huh. you know, back in the day. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you need to learn this. And then I would, I just picked it up. And then I would, uh, all the odd jobs of like, hey, we have like, 700 pages of reporting data that we need to summarize like uh -huh. <laughs> and then i would just like okay yeah sure i'll hack up some script and so i became yeah. the kind of go-to guy for this odd stuff and then yeah. with active state they said hey we're hiring we have a pearl stack this is like in the pearl mx days they're uh -huh. doing anti-spam stuff and uh and they needed someone to write performance tools and i had done a whole bunch of performance testing tools uh -huh. and so i worked i was like yeah active state sounds awesome i went in yeah. to sign the papers on a friday afternoon and they're like by the way we're now Sophos. So <laughs> when you start, like you're signing with ActiveState, but when you start, it'll be Sophos. And so I, I kind of grew up like right at the transition. So I, I never met Dick from ActiveState from the, oh, yeah. from the old days and, and kind of, but it was, it was interesting seeing uh, a Vancouver team mm -hmm. kind of get taken over by the, the big UK company right. and seeing how that culture changed over a number of years. So I was there for mm -hmm. a number of years and kind of saw, you know, in the, in the first couple of years, it was still definitely active state. Yep. There were still parties on the roof with the hot tub. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> nice. uh, and then over time it kind of, you know, uh -huh. became the bigger organization as it needs to. Right. And then it, I, I guess, uh, active state or the, the people yeah, that spun out. ended up spinning back yeah. out. And then that's when I went and joined, uh, oh. active state. Okay. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, um, and then that sort of leads into the current stack, yeah. I think, which maybe you can tell us about. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, so I, I've programmed in a lot of different languages. Mm -hmm. um, and when we started Recollect um, and when we did the hackathon project, our goals were not like, hey, let's build something on the latest stack. Mm -hmm. Our goals, because they were kind of driven by customers, was always like, how do we most efficiently implement this? Mm -hmm. And so for us, for Kevin and I, the, um, you know, I started in Perl at ActiveState. Um, from there, I went to a company called Social Text, and that was a, a Perl shop. Mm -hmm. And so Perl was like kind of the tool that we could do. Perl's actually really great for open data because there's just so many libraries. Mm -hmm. So like any data format you can open and any, you know, so it just makes stuff really easy. It's fast language. Mm -hmm. um, it's not very sexy though, right? So like, you I know, know it, it does kind of have uh, some sort no, of appeal. So no, I haven't Drew, done much with not. Perl at all, but I always think like, wow, Perl, that's Hardcore. Hey, hey, Pearl whenever, whenever, whenever I Google replacing text, uh -huh. Pearl always comes yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's the duct tape, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so much. And, and you know, Pearl got a bad rap, and, uh -huh. you know, and then Ruby's cool, and now Node.js. But isn't Ruby cool kind of based on a lot of Pearl philosophies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I use PHP, which is like the, I guess, sibling of Pearl, sort of, in some sure, way. Yeah. They look very similar in some yeah. cases. They're all related, right? Like, yeah. You know, the, the things that Python is strong on is, is maybe in a reaction to what Pearl did, right, mm -hmm. for a number mm -hmm. of years. And even since then, um, since the early days, you know, like Pearl's continued to develop. They do releases every year, mm -hmm. moving the language Pearl forward. Pearl 6 out yet? I don't know. Like, I think it came out at Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe, That's I don't know I which Christmas. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, coming as a C programmer, Pearl kind of really made sense. And, and actually now, like, I'm kind of not answering your question, but uh, <laughs> now, like, as I move forward and I'm, like, getting into Golang, like, mm -hmm. it just oh, cool. feels like Golang is, like, such along this lineage mm -hmm. um, 
you know, where it's like coming from a C developer and then yeah. Golang just feels like so awesome. Oh, is that what you're doing? I remember uh, actually you have uh, a new member of your staff came on, I think, uh, recently from Japan. Yeah. And uh, he was doing, I, I think, mostly Perl stuff as well. And we had a bit of a conversation over okay. at uh, Open Data Drinks. Okay. And we're talking a bit about Go. Uh, that sounds pretty exciting. So are you actually uh, starting to implement things with Go? Yeah, I shipped my first Go microservice. Nice. Uh, yeah, high fives. High fives. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, no, it's totally awesome. We, um, I kind of had this small program. You know, like it's it's hard to switch languages in a project because you have so much kind of like sunk cost and embedded mm-hmm. libraries where mm-hmm. it's so much easier just to use the library than right. write a different version of the library. But yeah. I found this kind of... Um, maybe like we could touch on later, but like I'm a big fan of like disaster driven development. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes you can find disasters and use those as catalysts. A different right. type of DDD, I think. The yeah. other DDD, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. but I'm a huge, huge fan of it. I had major success in my career at Social Text with disaster driven uh-huh. development. Nice. And uh, and so I this wasn't a disaster, but I found this opportunity where like, hey, we could solve this problem. It doesn't need like any of our existing code. It's just a small like read from a Kafka queue and write to Postgres. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we, I said, hey, guys, like, I'm going to try writing this in Golang. Mm-hmm. Did a, kind of a spike on it, figured it out. And I was yeah. like, I went back to the team at our team. We have weekly team meetings. And I said, hey, guys, I, what do you think about shipping Golang code? Like, Everyone gasped. Everyone's yeah. like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was like really supportive. But I wanted to be yeah. like, so I could write, rewrite this in Perl in a couple hours or mm-hmm. we could use this Golang stuff. But it seems like a great opportunity to kind of like push something forward and gain some experience right, and right. stuff like that. I noticed here on the job post, uh, the UTFA I18N and the L10N. Are you doing a lot of translations or any of that type of language stuff, or is that something you're focusing on? Yeah. So um, our philosophy is like we start off with like what is the best thing for a resident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this, so we're kind of getting into the civic tech side where it's like you know, so the low the bar for civic tech from our governments is often so so low. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's often things that have been built ten years ago or a long time ago. And so um, we really, in all the products we build, we're like, what would be the best thing for a resident? Like mm-hmm. f- when I put my resident or civic hat on, citizen hat on, and and like try and think what is the best thing? Privacy. Um, we don't really want to be a company that, you know, just collects all the data and then sells the data in some other way. We want to have a very straightforward business model. where like mm-hmm. cities are our customers. The data is theirs. And we're super respectful of, of pri- privacy for residents. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, so one following from that principle is like there's lots of non-English speakers. Mm-hmm. How do we make all of our tools available in many different languages? Mm-hmm. So like when you go to the Coquitlam website, for instance, I know they have like um, all of our tools are in six different languages. It would be like, you know, Punjabi and simplified Chinese and uh, French, English, Spanish, this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Wow. Okay. So I've heard you have um, you have people working for you for in uh, in Vancouver and maybe in other places as well, including the States, I believe. Yeah. Um, what about your product? Is it, uh, is it anywhere internationally as well? Um, yeah, so we're pretty much all over North America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a, in civic tech, I kind of think of it like at some point there's like several milestones. One is you eventually get your hometown. Mm-hmm. That's like ideal. Yeah. Um, so for me, that was kind of Vancouver and then recently Abbotsford, mm-hmm. um, where I grew up. And then, uh, two is like maybe as a Canadian startup, you can get like CFL cities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then you start to get the NFL cities. And so we've kind of crossed those those goals. Yeah, I noticed Ottawa was on your homepage. That's yeah. where I'm from. It's oh, awesome. a big city and uh, they have some scary problems in Ottawa. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And they have interesting kind of bureaucratic challenges just because it's you got, everything's got to be French English very strictly right, and right. things are like kind of really they take things seriously. There. So have you heard of um, have you heard of Istuary and are you familiar with what they do? 
Uh, I've seen the name. Tell me more about what they do. So they, um, they're kind of a, an incubator, uh, sort of. But one of the things that they focus on is if you have a product, um, helping you bring that product, tweak it uh, for the international stage of oh, China yeah. and market it in China. Interesting. Um, so we're actually having a Code for Canada hackathon uh, June 24th and 25th based on uh, using uh, open data and kind of kind of a civic hackathon type idea where we're pairing people from government who, particularly developers in government, who have identified uh, pain points that they yeah, have yeah. with uh, community developers um, to kind of work on a, a two-day hackathon to promote their products and then have a, a pitch competition at the end of it. Uh, are you planning on being out for that? Uh, maybe. It sounds, <laughs> sounds super interesting. Um, yeah. No, I think it's super interesting. I really like the notion of hackathons that start with problems. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when it's just developers get together and you just build something that's cool. I mean, that's how my company started, but right. we kind of like stumbled into success. <laughs> um, but to start with problems is like mm -hmm. so, so, so key. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's one coming up this weekend, the uh, breast cancer one, where they're trying to see how can you remind people to get mammograms. Mm -hmm. So that's like, there, here's the goal in mind. Do whatever you can. It's really difficult when you have to come up with the, with the mm -hmm. idea and the execution. Mm -hmm. That makes it really difficult. So, okay, coming back to uh, Pearl and, and Recollect and yeah. Stack. So let, let's take a look at some of the other things. And then also this. Um, let's say I've been fascinated with Pearl. I really want to be a Pearl wizard, but <laughs> I haven't actually read the Camel book. Yeah. You know, or you know, I, I think I have a copy somewhere. I've flipped through it a little bit. Um, if I wanted to, to jump in and, and work on this kind of stack, what would I need to know? Um, the camel book, I guess. Camel book, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, you know, we have um, most of our, uh, you know, the back end is, is implemented in Perl, but it's mm -hmm. implemented very much in like um, API first style. Right. So everything we do is like RESTful APIs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I mentioned earlier that I work really well with Kevin. And mm -hmm. so a lot of the time I work below the API and he works above the API. Mm -hmm. And so we'd meet up at the start of a, a user story and we would say, okay, what does the API look like? What data do you need? What yeah. actions are you going to do? I would go and build that behind the scenes. And then we do, we use pretty much Postgres for our primary data store, which mm -hmm. is just so lovely. Postgres has been such a, a great tool throughout my whole career, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, and. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a really uh, loving. I love Postgres. Uh, relationship. You yeah, have with no, it's Postgres. been good. Yeah. It's been so good. And, Every time uh, I read about Postgres versus MySQL, it's always like, oh man, oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. And there's all these nice things about it. But... And none of the drama of MySQL <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for like 10 years uh -huh. more. I use MariaDB actually because it's more open source. So I don't use MySQL. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so Postgres yeah. has just been awesome. Nice. Um, and then we do. Um, uh, all of our front end is pretty much in CoffeeScript, mm -hmm. which I know is not as popular. Um, it's I'm a controversial really... choice, CoffeeScript. <laughs> you know, um, well, well, it's we've been using it for four years. You it's know, interesting and it's... that you're not using Ruby and you're using CoffeeScript, I think. What is that? Uh, well, CoffeeScript is very much of a, a Ruby, uh, yeah. Ruby-esque syntax. Well, so if I squint hard enough, I can just pretend the coffee script's Perl. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> right? Yes, like there's, yeah. a, you know, the white space and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I love it. One of the big things I like about it is I was never a front-end developer. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, the thing I like about CoffeeScript, and I think a lot of the other transpiler languages are like this, but um, I don't introduce IE8 bugs mm -hmm. when I'm writing CoffeeScript. <laughs> right. You know, like a trailing comma here or this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, like one of the biggest values of CoffeeScript was just like uh, normalizing all our code so that it works mm -hmm. more more consistently across browsers. That mm -hmm. is not like you forgot this comma. And so it works everywhere I test it, but not on IE8. So I suppose with something like Recollect, you really uh, have a lot of platforms you'd have to support. Yeah. 
Yeah, like we and, and coming back to what is best for residents, mm -hmm. we try and be quite aggressive on supporting older browsers. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 we really feel like municipalities need to serve all their residents. They can't right. just serve the people that are on smartphones or whatever. So looking at that recycle game, yeah. uh, it looks like there's a lot going on there. How far back uh, or how, what sort of support does that have? Uh, yeah, browser so support, device support. With that game, we we made the decision that we were going to drop like really old browsers. Mm -hmm. So like I, I would kind of make a distinction between like finding out basic information as a resident versus like kind of playing an educational game for, so for playing the game, we, mm -hmm. we said like, let's use HTML five on this. Let's make it easy and nice to develop with. Mm -hmm. um, we actually worked with denim and steel on that game. Mm -hmm. um, we were just totally awesome guys. Super, mm -hmm. super great to work with. So denim and steel, they're a, um, uh, web consultancy? Yeah, basically. Yeah. So they do, um, they, we kind of hired them to build this for us, the front mm -hmm. end, and then we do all the kind of back end APIs and cool. data and reporting and you stuff. Said, like you that. mentioned that there was almost no bugs when you launched. What do you think was one of the things that contributed to that? Do you think it was the coffee script thing, maybe some other stuff? This no, is pre recollect. This is pre recollect. Yeah, yeah, like back in the oh, Vantrash okay, days. Sorry. I see. Yeah, yeah, where it was just like a project. I think it was just the scope was so small. Oh, okay. It was really just sending reminders and, um, and some simple lookup tools. Mm -hmm. And so, there were just it was such a small scope that we just got it working and awesome. it just kind of yeah. ran. Just hoping yeah. for some tips. You can go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I don't think there's yeah, anything special there. Small. Yeah. 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 Like, don't do just much. Just do one yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 But we like you're touching on the Unix philosophy of do one thing well, and like right. that's the philosophy again we take with our products mm -hmm. is like how do we do how do we like really nail this problem? Take it to eleven. Mm -hmm. So how many people are there uh, on the team? Uh, we're at thirteen now, 13. which wow. which is kind of surreal. In fact, the latest guy we hired, um, he told me that this that this job working for us was his dream job nice. and like that just blows my mind yeah. that we have built like a company where we're like the dream job for someone uh -huh. yeah bizarre. those feel really good feels good um, i know it's also using xamarin here which is kind of this new cross-platformy tool is it right? new? new i don't know I, didn't it just well, get I mean, uh, acquired by microsoft yeah for billions i hadn't, I hadn't <laughs> yeah. heard of it until um i saw a guy presenting um from microsoft presenting about xamarin i hadn't even heard of it but yeah um could you no, we talk used it before bit? microsoft bought it yeah uh, so what is, is it? A, it's a cross-platform tool for Android and iOS. Yeah. So the thing that we liked, the reason we went with it, like I think all technology choices need to be evaluated within the context that they're mm -hmm. chosen, right? Sure. So um, uh, with Xamarin, like we had our super small team. We basically only had one, or like not even one, like a half mobile developer, mm -hmm. and we needed to ship for iOS and Android. Mm -hmm. And we knew that we would have a lot. We knew several things. One, we knew we wanted to do many different apps. So we don't really have just like one recollect app. We do like maybe small numbers of hundreds of apps, mm -hmm. wow. um, which is basically the same code base that we'd like kind of tweak and ship for different cities, right? So every right. city gets their own app. And um, and so we knew that a lot of the functionality of that is going to be shared across the code bases. Mm -hmm. So um, we didn't, I might get haters for this, but we didn't really like the like um, uh, Cordova style um, mm -hmm. HTML apps. Right. Um, so that's like a web wrapper, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what does Xamarin bring that's different? So the great thing about Xamarin is that we could implement our core kind of business logic. So all of our like everything that fetched from our APIs, everything that like handled the data um, in one code base. Mm -hmm. And then we build like the Android UI and the iPhone UI, but they use the same business logic. Okay. So the code is shared across both platforms. Mm -hmm. okay. And so we like that because then it could help us get to market faster sure. yeah. and uh, things are more consistent. So what is the uh, what is that native code? It's on C Sharp. It's C Sharp. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Um, and then, so is that actually... And it's gotten like an IDE and like all of this stuff, like a big yeah. environment. I saw the demo. The Microsoft guy was like, this is amazing. And I was watching it and it looked mm-hmm. amazing. It was the like apps so turn out looking really good because yeah. they turn out to fast, like native apps, yeah. basically. Are they like native apps? Or no, they're they native, native apps. apps. Yeah, they're native apps. So like our iOS app looks like an iOS app, functions like an iOS app. Our Android one looks and functions. So you're building basically like native code, mm-hmm. but then you just tie into the shared libraries. Oh, okay. I'm making gestures with my hands for yeah. the people at home. <laughs> yeah. Connecting the two together. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that was, yeah, that was a good choice. And that's been really good to us. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So that ahead. brings out, that means, uh, I guess, your stack is now um, C Sharp then and Perl. And Golang now. Golang now as Coffee well. Script. Coffee Script. A lot of shell. A lot of shell. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess as you grow and, and support these other cities, all these tools just kind of get baked in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So A yeah. lot of shell. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So then what are you, uh, what are you deploying to? Um, so we are hosted on DigitalOcean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have some infrastructure on Amazon. So we, I try to like, um, for a long time, we were really concerned, like in the civic tech space about like what country we're in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think Amazon has started to say they're going to do a Canadian cloud or sometime and DigitalOcean recently came out with a Canadian cloud. Oh, is that right? Um, but I've been they really, now, I think, do they? Toronto, Vancouver. They have a so. Vancouver one? I think so. I think it just came out. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so we've been really cautious about binding ourselves too much to the Amazon APIs mm-hmm. um, because that might limit our future choices. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're kind of on Amazon EC2. We deploy everything with Ansible. Mm-hmm. So we're not on Amazon. We're on DigitalOcean. <laughs> deploy everything with Ansible. Um, we actually just this week, we had a kind of a big week this week. We got rid of, uh, we shipped our microservice, first Golang microservice, mm-hmm. and we got our last like, you know, the, the notion of your servers are either pets or cattle. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So we, like, got rid of our last pet. Um, we're going to put our, our last pet down. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and now we're on cattle servers. And so uh-huh. it's, like, a big milestone. And uh-huh. all our developers are like, oh, my God, how do I deploy? And, yeah. If anyone doesn't know what you're talking about, you seem like the cruelest person. I know. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, like, the server has been so good to us for all yeah. these years. Yeah. And kind of sad to see it go. But <laughs> it's yeah. good. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, so it looks like you're making some uh, good milestones and things are moving ahead quite well. So what about as far as hiring at Recollect? Are you hiring? And where are you located? Is remote okay? Yeah, those are all great questions. Um, So we just have hired a number of positions. We're probably going to be hiring a few more this year. We're going to be looking for someone in marketing. So Mm -hmm. if there's any super awesome marketing civic tech folks out there. Let me know. And maybe someone that does back office stuff. Mm-hmm. So Marketing and back office. Yeah, super nice. sexy stuff to <laughs> yeah. pitch on a, pod, a tech podcast. Right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> know your hey, audience. There's all types out there. There's all yeah. types out there. No, it's so, all good. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, maybe looking for like a Xamarin mobile developer later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, does it have to be Xamarin? Is that kind of the, that is the locked in choice? I mean, that's our stack. Yep. So we, we like working with great people. So mm-hmm. if there's someone that's great that will learn, Xamarin has mobile devs experience. That's totally cool. Yeah. Um, but if you're, I'm if more you're interested in hiring a, good people. I mean, if you're an Android or an iOS, you just doubled your platforms now. Think yeah. Of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, just kind of slow growth. Um, we haven't taken on um, kind of venture capital. So we just try and grow slowly and conservatively and organically and grinding away. Awesome. Well, sounds great, Luke. Hopefully. Uh, oh, that's one thing. How do people reach out to you if they want to get a hold of you? Are you on any of the uh, local Slack teams or... Uh, yeah, so um, Luke C, L-U-K-E-C on Twitter, and I'm on a number of the, like the Open Data BC one, and mm-hmm. the, I can't even keep track of all the Slack. <laughs> yeah. It's like way too much. Yeah. But you're definitely in that shared I'm channel there. that yeah. I see you. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And uh, do you go to, do you regularly attend any of the meetups around town? 
Um, I'm less seen there mm -hmm. just because I got young kids. And so it's kind of hard to get downtown like at the mm -hmm. dinner hour. Right. Um, but that's starting to change. My kids are getting older. So things are getting a lot easier. And I yeah. see that uh, most of the open data stuff. Yeah, as I try well. and always show up to those. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Sounds good. And hopefully we'll see you out at the hackathon on June 24th and 25th as well. Awesome. So thanks so much, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much for having us, Luke. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay, take it easy, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Check out our website, vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Much appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter, Van Tech Podcast. Feel free to leave some comments below. You can also hit us up on the YVR Dev, the Vancouver Tech, the Van Tech Slacks. I'm at James. And I'm at Drew. Special thanks to Same Room for hooking us up with an integration that allows us to have a cross-team Slack channel, Van Devs. Do you have a meetup that you want us to plug? Email us, show at vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Music by A Shell in the Pit from the game Parkitect. See you at one of the meetups around, around town. town.